At Our Father's House, our prayer is that you will be blessed and strengthened by the power of Jesus Christ. We would like to thank you for joining us today as we study God's Word. Now let's join Pastor Justin. It is an honor to be here this morning. Um, I thought we would just go ahead and dismiss since we was just talking to everybody, but I guess I'll go ahead and preach. <laughs> go ahead and speak a little bit. Uh, deliver what God's given me to share this morning. Um, I want to talk um, in Scripture. I believe it's in First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. If you, get a, if you can, turn there. And then we'll go to Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. How many remember what our pastor preached on last Sunday? Anybody at all? Anybody remember what pastor preached on last Sunday? Do what? Vision, that's it. Let's go. Vision. He laid a a foundation talking about vision, what our vision is for our church and and why people come here and and different things like that. And he kind of went in detail on all that stuff, right? And so I I was talking to Pastor earlier this week, and I just want to build on to to what he had delivered last Sunday. So we're going to talk on the subject this morning of Jabez praying vision into existence. And um, I've preached on Jabez a couple times, or talked to youth a couple times in years past, preached on it. But I really feel like just releasing this word to you guys this morning. I believe sometimes it's all right to preach on things that God has delivered delivered to us before, right? Not saying it as just necessarily a repeat. God always puts his own twists on things, typically, when you go back and review things. So, um, but a lot of times the church misses review, Right? And so it's always good to go back and, and things. But First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 through 10, and then Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And when you find that, would you stand this morning in honor and the reading of the Word of God? That's all right. First Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. Amen. This is what the Word says. It says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, because I bear him with sorrow. That's what the name Jabez means. It means sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Now, doesn't that sound like a selfish prayer, right? Oh, God, that you would bless me indeed. Enlarge my coast, my territory, that your hand might be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted, someone say granted, God granted him that which was requested. How many know and believe God still answers prayer? God still answers prayer. God's answering prayer this morning, right? God's still answering prayer. So God granted Jabez what he requested. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, give you a minute to flip there and uh, and things. Talking about vision this morning. Praying and putting legs on vision. Where it says, I will stand upon my watch. Set me upon the tower. I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I shall answer when I'm reproved. Notice that Habakkuk was in a position where God could speak to him. Before this word was released to him, right, he had to position himself to receive a word from the Lord. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain upon tables. He that reads it may run with it, right? For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. In other words, you don't have to preach it. You don't have to talk about it. The vision will preach its own message. 
and will not lie, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for an awesome time of worship and communion this morning. God, we thank you for the fellowship of brothers and sisters. Father, we just pray right now that you would manifest and minister this word to your people. Lord, I ask that I will not speak on the enticing words of man's wisdom, but God, in demonstration of the love and the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would show us your glory today. Minister your word to us and to us that us receive it, that us apply it. Father, we thank you. We praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says amen and amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. So again, we're going to talk about the subject of Jabez praying vision into existence. When, we, when Jessica and I lived in an apartment uh, above the shop a few years back, right when we first got married, we had this verse printed on a sheet of paper and put upon our refrigerator. It was something that we together prayed a lot. How many know a family that prays together stays together? Don't ever be offended or hindered at the thoughts of praying with your spouse and praying with your kids. You're not too big or too cool for that, right? Because we all know we see each other every day and know everybody, know our own problems. See, it's easy to pray with total strangers because you respect them because you don't know what they're going through, right? But you live with your parents, you live with your spouse, you live with your child, you know what's going on in each other's lives, right? But it, don't ever be ashamed to pray with one another. And this is something we prayed a lot. We prayed it over college, we prayed it over business, we prayed it over our marriage, we prayed it over every everything. We prayed it. And I'm not saying this is some magical formula that because you speak it, you're going to get what you want, right? That's not what I'm saying. God is not Santa Claus. He's not a tooth fairy. He's not any of that stuff. He is God, right? So it's not about presenting God a wish list, but it's about praying his will into the earth. And so I can say that through praying this prayer that we went from having one shop to three shops and multiple car rental businesses. Since we started praying this prayer, Jessica went all through college and does not owe one penny for college graduating as a nurse practitioner. So this is something that, and I'm not saying that arrogantly by any means, this is God. Right, this is God blessing. Right, we prayed it over uh, over the ministry, and we transitioned to this place. And God anointed us and blessed us to be youth pastors. And and I know I may not be a youth pastor forever, right? But I know that God has positioned me now for such a time as this, right? So we know and understand that God positions us for different things, right? And so we prayed this prayer a lot. So don't underestimate the power of prayer. Don't underestimate about speaking God's word and rehearsing words before the Lord. That, because when you pray God's word, God answers. I said, when you pray God's word, God answers. So what's so interesting about Jabez, when you look uh, in the scripture here in First Chronicles, right? He, uh, Ezra, uh, who wrote this book, Ezra, was focusing on genealogy. You know those passages in scripture that we just tend to overlook? So-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. Half the names you can't pronounce, right? You're like, if I was in kindergarten and had this name, there's no way I would make it, right? Uh, and but anyway, so you got all this genealogy and all this lineage pattern going down. But all of a sudden, you got a break. You've got a break in the status quo. You got a break in what's customary. You got a break in what's traditional, and it all stops because of a man's prayer life. 
Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. You, generational curses, generational patterns, everything that happens genera- generationally can change because of a prayer. It wasn't a long-winded prayer. It wasn't a fancy prayer. But this man had a prayer life before the Lord and his words. God granted him that which he requested. I believe no matter what you're going through today, that prayer can mark a legacy in your life. That prayer can mark your family. That prayer can mark your children, your children's children, and their children, and so on and so forth. That prayer can mark your businesses. That prayer can mark vision, right? I believe when you pray vision into existence, things begin to happen. So let's get into the word. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. This does not mean that he was God's favorite. doesn't mean that God favored Jabez over all his brothers and all his sisters, right? does not mean that. What it means was that he had a heart that was pleasing to God, and therefore God chose him for a greater purpose. When you have a heart that beats for God, God will reward you the desires of your heart. That's what the word says. If you delight yourself in him, he will give you the desires of your heart. Because when you really truly are delighted in him, your greatest desire is not to have the biggest house in Bell County, Kentucky. Drive the fanciest car in the area. Be talked about by everybody as some high, exalted person, right? When you, have, when you delight yourself in the Lord, you desire his heart. And you pray his heart into the earth, right? The word honorable in the Hebrew is the word kabod, which means to be heavy. We, uh, if you are familiar with this Hebrew word in church, it means the glory of the Lord, the heavy, weighty presence of God. Jabez had the heavy, weight, heavy weighty presence of the Lord upon his life that rested upon him. Now, you got to understand the name Jabez means to grieve or to be sorrowful. A lot of times in the Jewish culture, especially in the Old Testament, when people named their children, they named it with prophetic emphasis and purpose. So you got to understand that when his mom said, your name's going to be Jabez, she was declaring over her own son, you will be sorrowful and you will be grieving for the rest of your days because of the pains of sorrow that you put me through in this birth. Therefore, this is what you're going to carry, this label, for the rest of your life. How many know that it's important what you speak over your kids? Right? It's important. It's very valuable what you say over your children. You don't tell them they're stupid. You don't tell them they're worthless. You don't tell them, well, don't be saying stuff like that. Don't be working on that. Don't be dreaming on on things like that. You know you're not going to get to that place, right? It's important that we lay that stuff down and go after the presence of the Lord and say, you know what? I speak life over my kids. I speak purpose over my kids. I speak healing over my kids. I speak health over my marriage, over my family. There's nothing wrong with proclaiming stuff. We can't come in on Sunday and wait for Pastor Odie for a moving of, of, of the Spirit for him to proclaim stuff. You have authority as sons and daughters to speak life because the Word says death and life are in the power of the tongue and you will eat the fruit thereof. If you speak curse over someone else's businesses, expect curses to come on your own business. If you speak curses over the leadership of this country, then expect curses to come upon your leadership of where you lead. Oh, come on, somebody. That's what this this means. You'll eat the fruit, right? You, You speak curses over pastors, over business leaders, over your teachers, over your... Can I tell you something? 
you, you say, well, if I was a principal, if I was a teacher, if I owned the business, if I was the CEO, if I was the pastor, I would do it this way. That's why you're never going to be in those positions because you're condemning something you don't understand. Right? You've got to learn to steward where you're at right now. You've got to learn to be faithful with where you are right now. You expect God to trust you with something? You've got to be faithful with where you are right now. Right? Amen. You've got to be, learn to be faithful over where you are. Because you may not be... Listen, I, I, I will be transparent this morning. I've told Jessica many times, I've said, God has called me to be an apostolic evangelist. Plant churches, plant revival movements. That's my calling in life. That's what I'm going to do one day. But I'm not doing that right now. So do I just completely give up and quit because I'm not doing that right now and not putting my heart where God has put me at right now? Absolutely not. Sometimes God will call you to go against the grain of your calling. Because if you can be faithful in doing something you don't want to do, I'm not saying I don't want to be a youth pastor. I want to be a youth pastor. But what I'm saying is if you can be faithful with where you are right now, then God can say, I can trust you with the big stuff. I can trust you with the big dreams. I can trust you with the big vision because you're faithful with where you are right now. Right? You say, I'm going through college. I'm going through school. I'm getting all this education. I'm doing all this stuff, right? I'm, I'm making all this effort and things. I'm, I'm practicing at this sport and I'm doing all this stuff right now because maybe it will help down the road, right? You got to be faithful with where you are, not be disappointed, not be disgusted, not be discouraged because things aren't going 100% your way. And what you're believing for isn't right there in your hands just yet, but you're working towards that. The word says faith without works is dead. So you're believing you're going to get there. You're believing you're going to do that one day, but you've got to work towards that thing. Prayer is not saying, okay, I, this is what I want. I'm going to put all the expectation on God and he's got to do it all for me. That's not how prayer works. St. Augustine says this. He said, pray as, that all, as though it all depends on God and work as though it all depends on you. Right? Faith, you're going you're gonna to show your faith by your works. So you got to be faithful over the small stuff. you got to be faithful over the little things. So Jabez was known for his prayer life. His inclination to devotion made him honorable. To be devoted in the secret place before the Lord and praying things. Listen, we, we've got to be able to have a secret prayer life before the Lord. Right? If this is the only time we pray, we're not gonna, we're not gonna have a victorious life. We're not gonna walk in victory. Right? But he prayed and obtained the blessings from God, which added to his honor. In other words, to truly be good, you've gotta pray a lot. You've gotta pray, and then you gotta put legs on the vision. Now, if you, if you read commentary, and you study, you'll find out that what Jabez God granted Jabez what he requested, but he was a rabbi and he had a school of disciples. So he wasn't asking God to bless him so he can hoard up the blessing, right? Put it in, tear it, like Jesus spoke in the parable. I've got a barn. I'm going to tear it down. I want to build a bigger barn because I'm so blessed, right? We need to invest in the kingdom of God. That's why you give in offerings. That's why you bless people and give towards people. Because it's not about building a church account. It's about investing in the kingdom and seeing lives changed. Right? But anyway, so Jabez had his vision of a school of disciples. And so he's got all this 
baggage on him from what his parents believed for him. You're not going to be anything. And you're not going to, you know what? That's okay. Because I prayed to the father that he would bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, that his hand would be with me and he would keep me from evil and it would not grieve me. And God is going to grant me what I pray because he's going to get the glory because when it's all said and done, he gets the glory out of it all. Right? You always hear people say, Pastor, I feel called to preach on my life, but they don't feel called to pastor. They don't feel called to be an apostle or an evangelist, right? That's not my calling. Because we think preaching is about being behind a pulpit and doing what we're doing this morning, speaking the word of God to you. Everybody's like, wow, amen, God bless you, that's awesome, you know, and then leave, right? And things, and people go travel and get their offerings, and everything's good, right? And so they say, oh, that's popularity, that's fame, I want that. Right? That makes me popular. That's good stuff, right? And so that's where people think about, people don't understand the big picture. If it's all about being seen and it's all about being heard, that's an idol. It's no different than going to calf worship in the book of Exodus. It's no different, right? It's absolutely no different because Moses is by himself on top of a mountain. Israel's down there at the foot of the mountain, right? They can't ascend the hill of the Lord. They're down at the foot of the mountain, and they make their own idol out of their own worship. We can't make an idol out of our own worship, right? We do like what they did with the Philistines when they captured the Ark of the Covenant, and we try to set it right next to Dagon, right? We try to fit the Holy Spirit with all the rest of the idols in our life. Right, just try to fit him in there, right? But it can't, but Pastor, it can't stand there in the presence of God. If you really are sold out and want the presence of God, everything else has to bow down to the presence of the Lord. Everything else has to bow down. So, anyway, he made it. So, Jabez, he had this school, right? And he was an eminent doctor of the law. First Chronicles 255 even named the town after him. The city's now named Jabez because of everything he's done in the city. Right? Wow, wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, City of Pineville is so affected by this church that it was named, which I'm going to our father's house, that city. That does sound kind of weird, but but the point I want to make is this. What if there was such an influence of revival in the presence of God that this city was known by what God was doing in this place? That's called vision, right? That's called praying. That's called vision. It's not about lifting up a church name, right? But it's about lifting up the name of Jesus and pointing people towards him. Right? First Chronicles 255, let me read it. It says, And the families of the scribes which dwelt at Jabez, the Terathites, the Shimeathites, the Sushathites, that are the Canaanites that came of Hamath, the father of the house of Rechab. Okay? What this means is that, um, let me break down these names for you. Terathim, that was the name because in their hymns, their voices were like trumpets. Shemathim means that in hearing, they lifted up their faces in prayer. Suchathim, because they were overshadowed with the spirit of prophecy. So what does that mean? That means that Jabez's legacy was that he trained a school of disciples in prayer, in worship, and in the spirit of prophecy. Wow, this is Old Testament. This is before Book of Acts stuff, right? This is before the day of Pentecost had fully come. So he was training them how to flow in the Spirit and walk in according to his word. We need to make disciples in the kingdom of the Lord. That's what it's about. Make disciples. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. We need to raise up sons and daughters. We've got a lot of teachers and a lot of preachers, but we need fathers and mothers in the faith. 
How many know that? How many believe that? Hallelujah. So that's what this was known for. Now, Jabez was also known in Scripture as Othniel, right? So when you read in Scripture the name Othniel, he was the first judge of Israel. When you read the Scripture, he was known as Othniel. So you've got two phases in Jabez's life. He was a rabbi with a school of disciples, but he was also the first judge of Israel. That's two totally different directions. Can you imagine a pastor being a judge in the courtroom? It's crazy, right? That's total opposites, right? Total different lifestyles. But there are phases where God will call you to different places. But you got to be faithful over the few, and God will make you ruler over many again, right? And so the name Othniel means force of God. So Jabez, who means grieving and sorrowful, is now known as Othniel, the force of God. God's force in the world, right? First judge of Israel, right? So what happens here is that God brings such a name change and an identity change that because of his prayer life, he would go and he would be a judge of Israel. The Bible teaches us, I'll just sum it up. In Judges chapter 3, 8 through 11, the Bible says that the children of Israel was, ca- and cap- was captivated by the Mesopotamians. They were captured by these people. They were praying, repenting, God raised us up a deliverer. The deliverer's name was Othniel, the first judge of Israel. And they prevailed and they overcome. And God bless Othniel as a result of his leadership, right? And the Bible says the land had rest in his leadership as the first judge of Israel for 40 years. The land had rest. The land had peace. All because this man prayed, God bless me indeed. God bless me. Now, if I came to church and heard all everybody say, God, just bless me, bless me, you know, it, you, we would be offended, right? Because like, we're coming here to worship God. Why are you asking God to just pour out blessings on your life? See, the American version of Christianity is to hoard up the blessing. When you go into third world countries, they put to work their blessing, right? Amen. And that's what we've got. We got to get delivered from American Christianity, don't we? Right? We've got to get delivered. You know, there's people today in Korea, in the Middle East, right, that are, they're, you know, in Sudan, they're getting their arms and legs chopped off for the cause of Christ. In Korea, they're in prison camps. China, they're in underground churches trying to, trying to, they can worship God, they have to worship God underground. And we're sitting here with all the freedom and all the compromise. <laughs> Amen. Come on. Sounds harsh, but it's true, right? Makes you wonder because we get caught up in petty things. We get caught up in crazy things. Well, who's going to sing? Who's going to preach? Did so-and-so shake my hand? Did they take my parking spot? Did they take my seat? Who cares? You're not going to stand on the great judgment day and God asks you, okay, on that first Sunday in March of 2018, you know... Did you did you enjoy it when Stephanie sang that song? No, God, no kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Are you going to stand? I mean, is that what we're going to have to answer to? Right? He's going to he's going to ask. Did you clothe me when I was naked? Did you feed me when I was hungry? Did you give me water when I was thirsty? When I was in prison, did you visit me? Come on now. We got it's time we take inventory and ask ourselves, what are we doing for God? Can I tell you this? I believe this church is a house full of leaders. 
I do. I believe we have a house of people full of leaders with so much potential, but God didn't call us to warm a pew and be a Sunday morning Christian. God called us to walk in vision and carry this thing out. Can I say amen to that? Hallelujah. Here's the problem. God granted this because of his prayer life, but you can never expect the hand of God to be upon you if you have a fake prayer life. What do I mean by a fake prayer life? Your prayer life can be fake, right? What do I mean by a fake prayer life? I post it on social media, but I'm not living it out, right? I come to church, warm a padded pew, worship, and answer the altar call for two, like, like a solid minute and a half. And then I get up and leave the same way I came. And then I don't pray rest of the week. And then when I need something, I'll call on Pastor Odie or Pastor Wanda to pray me through my situation. But I don't pray myself. That's a fake prayer life, guys. Do you understand that each and every one of you have authority in God? Do you understand that the veil was ringing too? Listen, if you have to pray through someone else to get to heaven, you're missing it, guys. Jesus died and he resurrected so that you have access to the throne room of heaven. Aren't you glad you have access to God? That you don't have to go through any of us? We're, we have failed God. We have messed up. We have sinned. Right? We have fallen short at times. But you know what? Jesus never fell short. And he came and he died and he resurrected. And you can pray to the Father through Jesus. No matter how old you are. No matter your past. No matter what's happened in your life. You can have access to God. That's good. That's good gospel news. Good gospel news. So here was Jabez's prayer. Lord, that you would bless me indeed. Bless me indeed. He was asking for God's blessings indeed, which means truly, undoubtedly, and abundantly. He was praying for God to bless him, right, so that he would carry this blessing and train up sons and daughters of the kingdom, so that he could rule Israel righteously. So he prayed this prayer because he's seen the big picture. He wasn't carrying that baggage and said, well, I grew up this way, therefore I will always be like this. That's not... Right? He said, no, I have a bigger, bigger God in front of me. Right? Amen. It's God's will for you to be blessed. Third John 1 and 2. It's his will for you to be in health and prosper, even as your soul prospers. You know why you're not in health? Because your soul doesn't prosper. Do you understand regret and resentment can resist healing into your body? Right? Because you can be in health in accordance to God's will, if your soul's healthy, right? Are you with me? If your soul's not healthy, then your body's not going. That's why bitterness and strife and all this stuff and anger that you carry in here, it affects your physical body because you're going to be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. Hallelujah. How many's ever worried themselves sick, right? You've worried yourself to the point of sickness. God doesn't want you that way. He wants you blessed. So you're praying his will for your life. We serve a big God who wants to bless you. Right? You just don't let your blessings become an idol in your life. And here's the thing too. If you're faithful to God's calling and in covenant with God, blessings are going to follow you. Right? If you are not in obedience to the Lord, blessings won't come. Because you're miserable. But when you're in covenant with God, blessings will follow you surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The good shepherd always leads from behind. Did you know that? A shepherd doesn't lead the sheep from in front. They lead, they lead the sheep from behind because they have their eyes on all the sheep. 
So goodness and mercy, when David prayed, goodness and mercy shall follow me. Why? Because he's following me. Because he's watching me. Because his eyes on me. Because he is with me. So if you want to be blessed, walk in covenant with God. Right? Walk in covenant with the Lord. And there's nothing wrong with having things. Just don't let things have you. Right? Hallelujah. Psalm 112, 1. Praise you, the Lord blesses the man that fears the Lord and delights greatly in his commandments. Right? You're going to be blessed if you fear God and walk in obedience to his word. Hallelujah. Revelation twenty two fourteen says, Blessed are they that do his commandments. They'll have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into that city. When you obey God's word, you will be blessed. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. Do you understand that if you have a food on your table, a roof over your head, a car to drive, and a bed to sleep on, you're in the 25 richest percentile of people in the world. Right. Wow. That's awesome, ain't it? Do you know you're rich? Everybody in here is rich. Hallelujah. When we went to Africa in 2012... We saw what poverty really was, man. We did. Let me tell you, third world country poverty is totally different than American poverty. <laughs> totally different. Right? Hallelujah. We, there was a time, and you've probably heard me share this years ago, but there was a time when we, uh, we were, when we were over there that Jessica told Pastor Ken Shaku, said, Pastor Ken, we want to feed the kids on the street kids, because we was with the orphans at the school, over 300 kids. We're like, we want to feed the street kids, the kids that literally lived on the street. We would step outside of restaurants, guys, and we would see kids, grade school, middle school, high school age, just cover themselves in a blanket, go on the street and go to sleep. But we're worried about things that don't really matter, right? But anyway... So Pastor Ken called, because the, the kids can speak three different languages. They can speak French, English, and Swahili. The kids that aren't educated only speak Swahili. So Pastor Ken calls the, one of the kids on the street and tells them in Swahili, we got some Americans here, they want to feed you. Right? Go get some of your friends. It went five seconds. It went five seconds. He went around the corner, went back, 15 kids with him. Right? I mean, it wasn't just a handful of seconds. The kids living on the street in that corner, in that block. Took them in a restaurant and fed them. Right? And so one of the kids, he sat down and closed his hands and was praying and thanking God for his food. That wrecked me. I tell that story, preaching, it always wrecks me. Because we're like in a rush, like we're so starving. Father, thank you for this food. Bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat. Right? He was literally thanking God for his food. Right? Another kid came up to Pastor Ken and said, Pastor Ken, I can only just eat half my food. I need to take the other half to my dying grandmother. My parents have left me, went to Nairobi, which was four hours away, went to Nairobi to work, just me and my grandmother. And I'm going to take the other half and feed her. Is that okay? Talking about kids starving on the street. (laughs) Giving half his food for his grandmother who's dying. Right? Don't know when he's going to eat again. And we sit and we gossip and we mumble and grumble over stupid stuff, man. Right? We're, he owns it all, guys. Why should we fret and worry over things that don't matter? He is a big God. You're blessed. I said you're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. If you don't get anything else, just get your blessed. 
Don't worry about stuff. You're blessed. He said, Paul, when he was in chains, he said, whatever things are true, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good, whatever things are virtue, if there's anything worth giving him praise, you meditate on that stuff because he's a good, 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 good father. He's a good God. He's a good God. I recommend everybody that can to go on a missions trip at one time in your life. Right? Just one time, make it, a, make it your life mission to go into a third world country and see this for yourself. I'm talking about people that go to church three times a day, right? Go to church three times a day, and, and they work, right? They work every day of the week, but yeah, they go to church three times a week. Their lunch break, they go to church. Before they go to work, they go to church. Before they go home for the night, they go to church, I had a pastor friend of mine. Some of you may know Pastor Donald Sims. I don't know. Some of you guys may know Donald. We always call him Duck, right? But, but he pastors in Manchester. He told me one time, he said, I went to Africa to preach. I believe he went to Uganda to preach. And he said, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. I didn't have no intention of sharing any of this stuff. But maybe we just need to put life in perspective, guys. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it's for. But anyway, he said, this guy had no legs, and he walked on his arms seven miles to hear me preach. He walked on his arms, Pastor, for seven miles because there's this country guy from eastern Kentucky coming to hold a crusade and preach the gospel, and he walked on his arms. But we can't drive two miles to get to church on Sunday morning. We have to pull ourselves out of bed. Where's our faith? Where's our love for God? Where's our love for people? Right? I'm talking about vision. Right? I'm talking about seeing the big picture. Right? Hallelujah. Is this okay? I I just basically condemned American Christianity. (laughs) And I didn't have no plans to do that. But I'm just saying, we need to stop taking stuff for granted. And realize we're blessed by God to be a blessing. You know, I, I got awesome testimony. This doesn't, this, y'all could care less. But this is exciting. I mean, I told Jessica, I said, since the beginning of the year, I said, we've had two debts paid off beginning of the year. And to me, that's awesome to me, right? And so, and listen, young people, college kids, young people, avoid credit card debt. You hear me? Do not. Don't do it. You say, well, I want to be my own person. I'm, you know, I'm an adult now. I'm going to go get a credit card. Go max that credit card out. It'll take you years to pay that puppy off, right? Because you know what? Because, yeah, you got a credit card bill, but then you got a house payment and a car payment and all this other stuff, and that credit card bill, it's, it's just stacked to the roof, right? And it takes you years to pay it off, and you throw away so much money on a credit card debt. Pay the credit card off this year, bless God. I was happy about it. I was excited about it. See, that don't matter much to you, maybe. It matter a whole lot to me, right? Through our car rental business, we had one debt paid off just, just the other day. Teresa, hallelujah. You don't know how much that excited me the other day. What did you say? <laughs> If you need a loan, (laughs) I had that loan for three years. It's paid off, oh, praise the Lord. Amen. So it just excites me, right? 
God doesn't want you to live in debt for the rest of your life. He wants you blessed, right? He wants you blessed. I understand you're probably not going to pay for your house in full up front, and I understand that. And there are bills that you have to pay, and there's things you've got to do. But avoid as much debt as you can because God did not call you to be a slave to money. Can I say amen to that? For somebody, hallelujah. Praise God, but God wants you blessed. Let's keep going. Enlarge my territory. Jabez prayed. Just give me a few more, a few more minutes. Jabez prayed that he would be an instructor over disciples. And this is something I prayed over our businesses and everything for so long. God, enlarge our territory. Enlarge it, God. Enlarge it, right? So it's exciting to pray stuff like this, right? Exciting to pray stuff like this. Enlarge our territory. Increase it, God. Increase our boundaries. That doesn't mean, Lord, I want to go from five acres to 100 acres, God, on my property. Now, unless you want to build a work rehabilitation center for drug addicts or a ranch or something, then, then, then we'll talk, <laughs> right? And I believe God will give you the desires of your heart, but your greatest desire shouldn't be to enlarge your own being, Right? Enlarge our territory. Something I prayed. You know, again, I'm being transparent because it excites me, right? But through, car, through our car rental business, we started in 2010. We started with a 2003 PT Cruiser and a 2010 Dodge Journey, right? And that's what we started with. And I'm trying to learn all this stuff. Took a little while, but finally got it, right? And to be where we are today, God has blessed us, right? But this was a prayer that we prayed through that, Right? We've got almost 30 vehicles and in two different counties, right? Between four businesses. At the time we started praying this, we just had the one shop in Ewing. And now God is increased and enlarged and blessed, right? But God hasn't enlarged and blessed it so we can hoard up the blessing. It's to give people jobs, it's to bless the church, it's to bless the kingdom. Do you hear what I'm saying? Pastor Odie has went from one gym to two gyms. He's going to be here full time. He's going to open probably a third gym, maybe. I don't know. No, no, you don't receive that? Okay, that's fine. I'm just trying to get you here full time. I'm just all saying. That's all I'm just saying. (laughs) Just saying. I'm sorry. Jeez. Kind of. Don't be be disobedient, Wanda. (laughs) Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, we understand. We, we understand. Oh, does she? We, we need one in Claiborne County. Oh, hallelujah. Anyway, we'll talk about it. Enlarge my territory. Psalm 78, 40 through 41 says, How often the children of Israel provoked me in the wilderness, grieved him in the desert, yet they turned back and tempted God. And watch this, limited the Holy One of Israel. Do you understand that your attitude and doubt things limits God at work in your life? Your limitations are based on doubt. We're in the seeds of doubt, which is worry, anxiety, fear, right? Unbelief. God doesn't want you to live in that place. It's, it's a difference between living in a fishbowl versus living in the ocean. The fishbowl Christianity is very safe and secure. There's no challenges. There's no hindrances. You're just there, right? And your fishbowl. Someone comes and feeds you every day. You just go. It's an easy life. But you never get outside the box. And you always are limited to what God wants to do. God wants you to pray in larger territory. Yeah, there may be some more predators in the ocean. But there is no limit to where God can take you. 
there may be subsept, uh, you might be susceptible to attacks the enemy. Let me give you this example, okay? I got thrown a lot of examples out there. But how many's ever met Joe Osteen? Raise your hand. How many's ever met Joe Osteen? Nobody? How many's talked about Joe Osteen? Dad says the happiest feller he's ever seen. Right? We, as one of the biggest churches in the nation, and we condemn it, make fun of it, make fun of the way he teaches, and you may have to edit this out, I don't know, the way he teaches and the way he speaks and the way he does things. And How can you judge someone you've never met? How can you condemn someone? This guy was a seed of his father, a revivalist in America, right? But we just take like little excerpts that we hear on the news and social media that's like a two-minute snippet, and then we condemn this man to hell. He's a false teacher. He's going to hell. Who, who, who? Right? Would you be acting like that if you were in his shoes? Could you imagine what these guys go through being slandered? Articles coming out, newspapers, social media, thousands of people condemning, Right? His family, himself, who made us judge? We don't know him. Have you prayed for Joe Osteen? Come on. Have you prayed for the man? God protect him. Empower him with a greater measure of your... Have you prayed that kind of prayer? You understand? It's getting real, ain't it? It's too real. See, I'm sorry. But I'm trying, I'm just trying to get real with you guys because the higher you put people on pedestals, the harder they fall. The moment they say something taken out of context or a mistake or whatever, listen, we automatically bash them. Well, I would never go to that church. I would never do this and I would never do that. I would never preach something like that. And you start throwing stones. It's like we throw stones and we've got glass houses. Right? Anybody, I'm not a perfect, I promise I ain't a perfect preacher or pastor or anything. I'm far from it, right? And I know that and I understand. But what gives me the right to attack someone else's credibility and ministry and credentials? I've never been in his shoes. I've never met the, I don't even know the guy, right? I'm taking someone else's explanation in words and forming my own theory about that person, right? In other words, get to know people. Don't let your first impression be your only impression, Amen. That's okay, ain't it? I hope so. I mean, larger territory. Hand be with us. We need to pray God's hand upon us, right? Because it's about sustaining what you have. God wants to increase you, but God don't want you to fall flat on your face and lose everything he's blessed you with, right? He wants his hand to continue to be upon you. So you need to pray, God, let your hand be upon me. Let your hand be upon me. When, Sam, when God's hand came upon Samson, he did some damage, didn't he? When Ezekiel had, God's hand came upon Ezekiel, he had some incredible visions. Things happened. God's hand is what molded man into his image. In Acts eleven twenty one, his hand caused people to believe. In John ten twenty eight, his hand brought protection. His hand's very powerful. We serve a mighty God. He's got a big outstretched hand. Word said is his hand is not too short that it cannot save. Neither is ear too heavy that it cannot hear. Ain't it good to know God hears your prayers and cries? Keep me from evil that it may not grieve me. Keep me from evil. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty two says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. If it looks bad or can bring negligence to the church and to the body of Christ, 
and you look and you say, man, that's hurting my reputation and my reflection upon the church in the name of Jesus, right? Then I can't do it, right? Do you understand everything is bigger than you, right? If you say, well, I go to our father's house, but they see you doing something, you know, getting high, right? Doing drugs, you know, showing nude images of yourself or other people to other people or whatever it is, gossip. But you go to that church, you know how that affects us? Because we're your leaders. And so now they think that's how we operate. Right? If you're a bad kid, they automatically think you got bad parents. Right? Rebellious in school and all this stuff. Well, you were just never raised right. You don't have to be a product of your raising if it's not good. Right? Amen. Bad things happen to good people. That's life. What you do in response means everything. Right? You've heard me uh, say this before. One guy, uh, you know, was, was, has a drinking problem. And he said, well, why do you, ha- why do you keep drinking? He said, because my, my father drinks. And it's all I've known. Another guy says, uh, never has touched a drop of alcohol in his life. Why don't you drink? Well, because my father was an alcoholic. You understand where I'm coming from? You don't have to be a product of your environment. You can blame things, but you don't have to be a product of that stuff. I'm almost done. Right? Change your perspective. Keep me from evil, God, that it may not grieve me. What Jabez was saying, God, I don't want this label on me for the rest of my life. You broke this label. I don't want to lose it, and I don't want to fall back. Because my mom, my dad said I'll always be in sorrow. God, I don't want to be in sorrow. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be broken. I don't want to be hurt and abused. But my blessing and my faith comes from here. I'm going to ask these guys if they would to come to the music. I'm going to give you a chance to pray this morning, open the altars. A little longer than I wanted to be, but I hope that you hear my heart today. I encourage you guys, a, cu- a couple things. I encourage you guys to write this scripture down, or if you've got it memorized, pray this scripture. God, that you would bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. He wants you blessed because you're a son and daughter of the Most High God. How many believe that? God doesn't want you to live in worry and depression and fear. He wants you blessed because he loves you, right? He loves you. Enlarge my territory. Hand be with me. Keep me from evil. Not grieve me. So let this prayer be. Pray this prayer if you want to break the label of sorrow and move into blessing. Have open doors for your life and career to reflect God's glory. Pray this prayer if you want to desire God's hand of miraculous protection and favor on your life. Pray this prayer to be kept from evil so that you never return back to the label of sin that you once had and caused God, others, or even yourself pain. That's what this prayer is about. So this morning, I want to encourage you guys. I've talked about praying this vision. It's time to get a vision. Have you ever sat down and wrote down a, a, a year ago, a three-year goal, a five-year goal? I mean, anybody ever done that? Raise your hand. Anybody ever done that? Have you ever looked back after a year, three years and five years, and seen what got scratched off and what made it? Anybody at all? God, there's less hands because God doesn't call you to start it and not finish it. Right? What you, because the Bible says, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. 
It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Amen. It's how you finish. So I want to encourage you guys today, maybe not so much right now, but I want to encourage you guys to write some goals down, things that you want to go from here. By the end of the year, beginning next year, I'm not talking about, you know, what we always do, your resolutions. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real vision from the kingdom of what you want God to do in your life and test that vision, pray that vision. If that vision is rooted in ambition, throw it out the door. If it's rooted in your own, in, in, in greed and popularity and fame, throw it out the door because that's not it. That's not it, right? If it's about putting your name in the spotlight and everybody seeing you, that's not it. But if it's about kingdom work, if it's about blessing people, if it's about loving people, if it's about growing the kingdom, the church, then it just might be aligned with the will of heaven. So test that vision, write it down, and then lay down the necessary steps to complete that vision. Write them down. What do you need to do in moving forward? What do you need to do moving forward? We need some, guys, we need more ministries birthed out of this house in the aspect of evangelism. And I want to help with that because evangelism is something I do believe is part of my heart. And what's so funny about that for me is that I don't do good talking to people I don't know. I can preach to you in front of a group of people, but talking one-on-one, one on one, I can barely look at you in the face because that's just not my personality. But I know that God's called me into apostolic evangelism. So it's time to go win souls for Christ. It is time to move forward in the vision that our pastor preached on last Sunday. So I'm going to throw visions out there to you. I'm going to throw some things out there. I'm going to throw ideas. There may be some ideas you have that I've never even heard of. It's time to dream again. It's time to dream again. So I'm going to throw some stuff out there. Some things may have started and not kept up. Some things, whatever, you know. But I want to throw some stuff out there because we need to be networking with each other and loving each other in the kingdom to a greater dimension. Can, can I get an Amen. And we need to win souls for Christ and make disciples. We need, we need full-blown LMU ministry. The prophetic words spoken in the gap about a revival coming through the gap and sweeping out into eastern Kentucky and going through, God means his word. LMU basically owns the gap. Which tells me LMU is a seat for revival. Anybody hear me? We need vision for Lincoln Memorial University. And we have open doors. I'm telling you, we do. But we can't do it alone. We need help. You say, I'm called to something like that. Well, we need to come up with a game plan and we need to go to work. We need a coffee shop in this community. A couple of us are praying about that and working on that and looking into this, but we need it not so we can increase, you know, our own finances. We want to get our pastor home, but we want to be a mission to our community and have a business where people feel the love and the presence of God as soon as they step into a workplace and say, man, I just want to read here, man. I just want to hang out here. There's just something about this place right? 
outreaches, doing different things in the community monthly. You know, we did life groups for a while, but maybe there's areas that you say, man, I'd like to learn more, whether it's business and finance, marriage and family, evangelism, missions, creativity, even whatever it is. But maybe we need to start meeting together and going from house to house, breaking bread like they did in the book of Acts. Does anybody hear me? I'm talking about being the church, right? So maybe there's something, maybe a drug work rehabilitation. We still got to keep working on that. But maybe there's different things that God is speaking to your heart that you need to go to work doing. And you just need the backing and you just need the help to get there. You say, I've got this on my heart. I just don't know how to get there. Then that's where we as leadership come in and say, come to us and let's, let's come up with a plan. Because we don't need lone rangers. We don't need pew warmers. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. St. Francis of Assisi said this. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. All times, preach the gospel. Let your life be the message, right? Let's all stand all across this room. I want to open this altar today. Pastor Jamie Couch, for those guys that was here Wednesday night, he preached an outstanding word of, on, on the fruit of multiplication. And I want to share this right quickly, and we'll open the altars. Because this is not about asking God to bless you to, again to hoard up finances. You want to? I'm going to be right here on the altar too, but I want to open this altar for you. And again, I know I've been long-winded. I'm sorry for that purpose, but I want you to hear us as pastors, our heart to you. We love you, and we want to grow the kingdom, and we want to live out vision. Because the Bible says, without vision, the people what? They perish. They die. You've got to have vision or you're stagnant and stationary. God doesn't want you to be that. Right? But Jamie Couch said something Wednesday. He said there are 70, I believe he said 7,200 and some people that are unchurched in Bell County, Kentucky. That means they don't go every, they never go to church. They never step through church. They never, 7,200 people. I don't know about you, but we can't fit 7,000 people in this building. Right? 7,200 probably can fit the 300 churches in Bell County, Kentucky. Right? That's not, I'm not being a jerk. I'm just saying like there's probably 300 churches in Bell County, Kentucky. Right? And so it's about the kingdom. It's not about growing our father's house. It's about building the kingdom. Right? But 7,200 unchurched people. He said, you know what? He said, with the, we had 50 there. He said, if each one within the year reaches one person to Jesus, just one person. Just one person for the kingdom of the Lord to Jesus. Within a year, he said, then everybody again, one soul for that next year. Then everybody again. In three, three or four, three years, we've won the county. We have won Bell County to Jesus. That's awesome, ain't it? That's simple. That's simple stuff. A seed shall be accounted for a generation. What you do is more than just you. What you say and how you live, you got to take inventory because there's a seed in you that is accounted for a generation. And so when I open this altar and I want to open up to those people that say, you know what, I want to pray this prayer of Jabez. I want to have this heart. I want to break this label off my life. I want vision. I want God to release vision in my life. Maybe God has been dealing with things, but you've been running away from that calling and vision that God has given you. God is saying, lay your pride down. Lay your distractions, your hindrances, your brokenness, your distraction. Lay it down. Let God heal it. 
and move forward in the purpose that he has for your life. So if that's talking to you this morning and this afternoon, I want to encourage you to leave your altar or leave your seat, excuse me, and come to this altar and let's pray vision. Can we do that? Can we at our father's house come together and pray for vision? Putting legs on vision. Would you come all across the room? Say, I want to do more. I want to do more for God. I want to grow. I want to purpose. I need vision. Would you come? Altar's open for you. If you would like to know more about Our Father's House and upcoming events, log on to ourfathershouseky.org.